Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Well, man, this morning, the, the stage is lonely, babe. It's, it's lonely. I've never had, a, never had the pulpit feel lonely before, and so... Um, but uh, if you weren't with us in the month of November, we uh, did a marriage series where Cutie and I taught together, and it was a lot of fun for us, and I hope that we hope that it blessed you. But uh, we're about to kick off a series um, that we're simply calling Courageous Christmas. And I think a lot of times when we think about the, the word Christmas and we say start doing a word association game with Christmas, more than likely, you're going to get things like festive and cheer and joy and peace and nativity and family and food and presents. And it's probably way down the list that you would more than likely say courage. When I think of Christmas, I think of courage. But when we look at the nativity story... All these different pieces, we see multiple places where the, the, the people who were playing their roles, whether it was Mary or Joseph or <coughs> Zechariah or the, the shepherds, that they were told to fear not. They were told to live in a place of courage. And so what we're going to do through this next four weeks together is we're going to look at the courage of Christmas and what it means to be a Christ follower and to live a courageous life as a Christ follower. So this, the courage of Christmas teaches us that we can trust God in every season. See, as a, as a pastor, as a minister, you know, a lot of churches look forward to the, to the Christmas season. Because there's this, there's this little phrase that gets thrown out in the church world. We don't use it, so, but it gets thrown out there called the Christers, Okay. And those are the, the church attenders who show up at Christmas and Easter. They're the Christers. And so, and all the pastors love it when the Christers show up. Because, man, there's, you know, that they enjoy having, you know, fuller chairs to talk to and all of those different things. And so, um, if this is you, um, thank you for being a Christer with us. And so, and uh, we'll see you next Easter. And so, um, <laughs> Not, not, not really, uh, but our hope is, is in this season that we are, that you're able to connect and see that this thing about being a Christ follower is more than just the holidays. It's about our whole lives. It's about giving him our whole lives and that he can be trusted in every season, in every spot of life that we engage in, and that we come across. Just going to kind of launch right here with a not Christmassy scripture. But 1 Corinthians 16, 13 through 14. Paul is wrapping up his first letter to the Corinthians. And he's given a bunch of little nuggets. He's just throwing out there. He's, he's, he's spitting fire as, as a preacher. He's just keeping it going. And here in verse 13, he says, Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. And if you just kind of leave it off there, it sounds real aggressive. 
And then it immediately says, do everything in love. I think loving like Jesus loved and loving like God loved is the most courageous thing anybody could possibly do. You never put yourself on the line like when you love. You never make yourself more vulnerable, more open to hurt and ridicule and pain than when you are purposing to love like God loves. We want to guard ourselves and protect ourselves. But I tell you what, if we're going to step into this thing of loving like God loves, it's going to take some courage. It's going to take some understanding that God's on our side and he's with us in this deal. And so as we look at the the courage of Christmas, we're going to look at what it means to step into our role as Christ followers. We're part of the Christmas story. See, God loved so much that he gave and he sent Jesus here to, to deal with the sin issue and not to condemn the world, but to save the world through Jesus. And we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. We get to carry this forward and we're part of the Christmas story still being lived out with humanity all along. But see, the problem is, is that fear can come in and lock us down. Fear can come in and begin to cripple us. I spent the first eight and a half years of ministry as a youth minister. So I got the privilege of going to youth camp and retreats and all this stuff a lot. And then in a certain season of our youth ministry, we had a bunch of of big school buses, and we sent them out around the town, and we picked up kids. And some of you were on some of those buses, and some of you I picked up myself. And um, we had some good times. And then there were some of those kids who had, who had never, like, been to camp or been camping or been out in the woods at all. So we take some of these kids and take them down, way down south near Houston to Columbus, Texas, to, to Discovery Camp down there. And we're down there hours and hours away from their parents, and, and they have a little more freedom. And they decide, a group of these boys who had never been camping, never been out in the wilderness, never been anything, decided they were going to sneak out, and they were going to get away. Well, Cutie and I, we got to stay at a place uh, called the, the Shepherd's Inn. So we didn't sleep with the grummy, grimy teenagers. The youth workers would sleep with the grimy teenagers. Not really, they were fun. But we got to stay. So I get word up at the Shepherd's Inn where we're chilling and enjoying our time that we've got an entire group of eight teenage boys that are missing. Two o'clock in the morning. Um, we're out on hundreds and hundreds of acres. And I'm like, this is not cool. This is not cool. So I'm like, they could be anywhere. They could have gone. They've, we don't know how many hours they've been gone. Man, they could just, they could be anywhere. And so we decide we're going to look for them. So we deploy all of, our, all of our team, get some of the camp staff, and we're looking for them. And they ended up not being that hard to find. Because having never been out in the woods, having never been out, in, out camping, they were afraid of the dark in the woods. So they ran away to the lighted areas. So they would stay where there was the light. And so we would see feet and we would see people rustling around and hiding behind buses and trailers and all this stuff. And it didn't take us too long to rustle them up. But here they had, they'd busted out, they'd gone out, they'd, they'd snuck past the, the, the leaders. They had freedom in front of them. And there was that line of darkness and they just, it, it was a, a barrier 
all its own. And they could not hear that the, the fear of that unknown kept them from doing everything that they really wanted to do. Now, as a youth pastor, I was thankful for fear that day. I was thankful I was able to round those boys up and take them back to their mamas and, and, uh, and learn not to do that anymore. And, uh, but uh, it was fear just, it locked them down. It completely locked them down. And, and that's why God wants us to live in a place where our trust in him is so high that fear doesn't have an opportunity to root itself in to our lives. And so we're going to be looking at how the story of the birth of Jesus can help us to be courageous and to do everything in love. Let's look at Luke chapter 1, verse 26. It says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. Of the house of David. Remember that. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Now, everything he said was awesome. Rejoice. Be excited. Throw a party. This is awesome. Highly favored one. This is an angel from heaven says you're favored this is good good stuff the lord's with you blessed are you among women this is all good stuff there's no scary stuff brought out here and she's already begin to get troubled why because seeing an angel is weird it's odd it doesn't happen all the time so all of a sudden even though all of these Things that were, the context was amazing. All the words were wonderful. Everything that was being said was, was absolutely great. All of a sudden, it was a new experience. It was a different experience. And that enough, with all of the beautiful things that were said, was enough to begin to shake her foundation. Folks, I tell you what, as we are growing in a place in, in God and growing in a place of love, you're going to be asked to step into some new places. And as much as you know that God loves you and is for you and all those different things, there's a place where just that uncertainty and that newness can begin to come in and create some, some uncertainty and some fear. It happened right here in one of the most beautiful settings, one of the most awesome things ever said, and it, it began to come in. And she, got, she got troubled in the middle of that. We have to understand that, that we need courage to trust God in the face of the humanly impossible. If we can begin to trust God in the face of the humanly impossible, then we can begin to trust God on so many, many different fronts. Let's continue reading there in Luke chapter 1. We go on to verse 3. It says, Then the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. He's already told her she has favor, but he has to... Pause his speech because she begins to get troubled. She begins to get freaked out at this new and different experience. She hadn't even been told about having a child yet. She hadn't even been told about any of that yet at this point. And she's already getting a little bit freaked out. And he says, don't be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. 
And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and he <clears throat> and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and he'll be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There will be no end. And then Mary said to the angel, how can I, this be? Since I do not know a man. Now she's betrothed to Joseph. So she knows a guy. But she don't know a guy. <laughs> and so this is the know a guy kind of stuff. That's what that word is. Bible sweet to us. And, and let's just say this in front of our children. And, uh, but she's like, ah, I'm. I've, I've, not, I've not been touched. I've, I've, not, I've not stepped into that part of life. How on earth am I going to conceive and have a child here? This doesn't make sense to me. Now, first off, I want us to just quickly talk about this concept about, about the angel telling her not to be afraid. The angel has to pause what he's saying to her and tell her not to be afraid. Now, first off, it wasn't a rebuke. When, we have to, when the Holy Spirit has to remind us or, or somebody, one of your brothers and sisters in Christ has to remind you to, to not be afraid, that you can trust God, that he's for you, it's not a rebuke. I love it that the scriptures, every time this messenger from God says, don't be afraid, it's not a rebuke. It's recognizing that fear could be a normal response here. Fear could be a response. You kind of could go that direction. God's not ignoring that this could be troubling or create some anxiety or some fear. He said, it's unnecessary. Don't do that. So many times we can get under this place of condemnation, especially those who, who try to live and walk in a place of faith and trust in God. And we feel a little bit of fear come in and then we feel guilty for being afraid. There's no guilt or condemnation associated with it. It's like, no, it's unnecessary. Yeah, you might go that route, but it's unnecessary. And then I love it that he tells her of why she doesn't need to fear, that she's favored. This favored thing shows up all over the place in this Christmas story. I love it that, that the shepherds are told that, there is, that this is a season, this is a time. There in Luke 2, 14, it won't be on your screen, it says, But glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. Fear doesn't need to be dealt with. We're living in a time and a place of the favor of God. When Jesus comes in and grabs the scroll of Isaiah 61, and he begins to read that and says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. And he begins to read all of it. And one of those things, it says, is to declare the year of the favor of God. God's for you. He favors you. One of the baselines of us being able to be courageous and, and live in the life God's called us to is that he's favored you. God likes you. God likes you. Some of you are uncomfortable with that because you don't like you. But guess what? God's love is bigger than your love. So he likes you. He's favored you. He wants you. He's pursued you. He's not kicked you to the side or to the curb. Or you didn't just get thrown in with a package. Jesus died for the world and I'm stuck with that guy. Well, I just kind of get thrown in there, I guess. 
package deal. No, he loves you. He loves you. And see, the thing is, is that Scripture had begun to to give some perspective to this. And, And Mary should have remembered this. Mary should have thought of this. But the Jewish people had begun to give some, some of heaven's perspective on what God was going to do. This week, um, we were at uh, Shannon Hospital. And we were walking across the concourse there and, and had Pressy with us. And she let her look through the glass and see down the streets and stand in the middle of the street. And the cars go under it. It's just a cool thing. And, and then, of course, our car was parked in the main parking lot. And I was like, hey, look, Pressy, there's our car. There's our car. And so, and, and then I, I moved to where there were two trees, and the car was just right in between the two trees. I'm like, no, seriously, stand right here. The car's right there. What? Pressy, it's right there. And so, <laughs> and so she's not seeing it. And I'm like, uh, Chow, um, seriously, come, come on now. Um, that's our car, the, the one between the trees. And so I get down on her level, and I look, and part of one of those trees is obscuring part of the car. And it's not near as clear to her at her place as it is clear to me from my place. See, praise God that Mary was willing, as we will see, to let God's perspective overrule her perspective. God says, I'm seeing something you aren't seeing but it had been foretold in fact it's referenced to joseph matthew chapter 1 verse 22 it says all this took place to fulfill what the lord had said through the prophet the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him emmanuel which means god with us the angel references this to joseph hey this isn't completely out of left field joseph this was prophesied this prophecy was seven hundred years old when it was fulfilled God began to give some perspective of what his ultimate plan that this virgin birthing was part of it and sometimes in the delay it can feel like it's not going to happen at all and all of a sudden it's 700 years later it gets fulfilled let's look at Isaiah chapter 7 this is where it actually happens and there, there's this King Ahaz, and he, he's facing some enemies. He's a little freaked out. And, and Isaiah is being the, the mouthpiece of the Lord. And Isaiah speaks to uh, Ahaz, and he says, If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. And again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz and says, Ask the Lord your God for a sign. God tells Ahaz to ask for a sign that God's going to do what he said he was going to do. It says, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. So he's like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to ask. You, 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 you're, I, I, I want to be painted into a corner here. It says, and then Isaiah said, hear now, you house of David. You house of David. Ahaz is part of the kingly lineage in the house of David. Hear now, you house of David, is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. He says, I'm going to give you a sign that I'm going to do what I said, that these enemies that are at your gates are not going to win. Here's your sign. 
The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. He gives this guy a promise of a kingly descent. See, if the enemies come in, the first one to die is Ahaz. They take out the kings. So the promise that everything was going to be okay was that your lineage is going to keep rolling all the way to a place where a virgin is conceived and, and <clears throat> says God with us is going to come about. Here this happens. God had been, it had been spoken to the house of David. It was in the right cha- chain of events, but it had been quiet for so long, 700 years, that everybody kind of put it aside. But this was not out of left field. See, we can face the toughest situations when we trust that God is faithful to do what he said he was going to do. Luke chapter 1, verse 35, it says, And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who has been called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. And then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. She began to be giving some more of heaven's perspective. And she's like, okay, let it be to me according to your word. Not according to my understanding, not according to what I'm able to track with and connect with, but according to what you have said. See, there's this place where as we are trusting God, our courage, our courage is, is not in our own valiant ability, but in God's. It's in God's. It's that God's faithful. It's that God will do what he said he was going to do. Let's look at Matthew 19. It says, And then Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it's hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And then the disciples heard this. They were greatly astonished and asked. So how in the world, how in the world can... Can the rich people get in? Mm-mm, that's not what he said. He said, who then can be saved? Who then? We all trust in money. We all trust in the things we can control. We all trust in our ability to get things done and make it happen. We all do that. It's not just the rich. It's not just this. We all do that. Who then can be saved? Who then can be? And Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. All things are possible. See, as we come in and we begin to connect, and we celebrate the miracle of Christmas, we celebrate the fact that Christmas was the fulfillment of a 700-year-old prophecy. And that this... In this obscure place in Nazareth that nobody thought anything awesome was going to happen. This promise got fulfilled. I tell you what, as I begin to move forward in my life and feel like, man, my, the corner I live on can be obscure. The corner, what awesome thing is going to happen there? 
man, there's some promises that feel like they've been a little bit late in coming. That God is faithful to his word. And I don't have to stand in my own courage and pound my chest and act like I've got everything together. But what I can do is I can rest in a God who does have everything together. I can courageously live trust in him. That he is faithful. That he will do what he said he would do. See, our bottom line today is nothing is impossible with God. And that courage comes from trusting that God's enough. That if you've got God, you've got enough. And we begin to embrace that on every front in our lives. I'm telling you, all of a sudden, now we can begin to live that courageous life. Paul encouraged those Corinthian believers to live and to do everything in love and begin to operate different than this world that is so fearful and overrun with anxiety. We can begin to live free from that and live courageous lives in a God who loves us and has favored us and is faithful. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.